podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. Sydney and I are together once again physically. Hello yeah, Sid. It's amazing. Hello. It is amazing. We've managed to do it once more. We're actually recording this week's podcast in the press room of the Estadio Santiago Bernabeu. We thought we'd take advantage of the fact that we're both here, producer Al's here as well. Um, lots of other people are here as well, so there might be some background noise. Uh, ahead of Real Madrid against Sevilla, which we will discuss later on in the pod, which we'll record uh, after. So stay tuned for discussion of the game that we are about to witness. It'll be like a bonus track. The Real Madrid yes. game is a bonus track. It is a bonus track. The return track. of Sergio Ramos. It is the return of Sergio Ramos, which we will discuss uh, later. I uh, will tell you the uh, results from uh, Match Day 26 uh, in just a moment, but we've got some extraordinarily exciting news to tell all our wonderful listeners. Uh, we're very excited about this and hopefully you will be too. Now, many of you, when I say many, you know, one or two of you have asked us about TSFP merchandise. Uh, we did a somewhat ill-fated run of uh, some, uh, well, Al's looking at me. Wasn't I thought ill-fated. it was great stuff. I still, you, me, and Al, we all wear it still. Yes, I'm actually wearing my TSFP hoodie today. But, oh, yeah, uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're not doing that, but we've teamed up with our good friends at Gambea. You might know them because they make amazing Spanish football socks and other great Some t-shirts incredible well. socks my Super Pepino socks yes. are absolutely top class I've got Oviedo socks from them as well which is yes. brilliant so uh, they approached us and said would you like us to make an iconic TSFP t-shirt and we said uh, yes we would so they've done it they've made a TSFP t-shirt with obviously the iconic TSFP uh, logo with the Podmobile designed by a great designer Al yes. said that we have to say that on today's podcast yes it's designed by a great designer and it's the um, but it's been inspired by the Spain uh, shirt from the 1994 World Cup yeah which is a really cool shirt by the way so anyway we've sold it to you there are also some socks as well TSFP socks so we're very excited about this uh, merchandise you can get it at Gambea which is G-A-M-B-E-A Gambea Gambea.com forward slash TSFP. Very important, it is a limited run. They're only available for two weeks. If there's enough interest and purchases, then might be available uh, for longer than that. But it's only an initial two-week run, so go and get them. Go and get them now. The uh, links are on our uh, socials, on um, Twitter and uh, Instagram. And make sure you click on the link and buy the T-shirt because they're really, really quite cool. It's really stylish. All right, there we go. We're not, we're not very good salesmen, I don't think, so we've just started off the pod. Trying Buy the shirts, or I'm coming round your ass, and I'm going to have words with you. Steady. Do you think that works? Yeah, well, probably not. Probably not. Okay, so to the football then. And this is what's happened on uh, match day 26. A really interesting result on Friday night. Uh, Villarreal beating Real Sociedad by three goals to one at the Real Arena. The revival of Villarreal continues, and La Real's really quite questionable form, particularly at home also continues. Saturday's game between Granada and Valencia was postponed at the request of Valencia because of the really quite terrible and tragic fire in the city of Valencia. Uh, Barcelona uh, beat Getafe by four goals to nil in quite possibly their best performance of the season, certainly their best performance for quite some time. Alaves and Mallorca drew 1-1 and Almeria held Atletico Madrid to a 2-2 draw on Saturday night, another away game where Atleti uh, dropped points. Uh, Then on Sunday, there was a 100th minute equaliser for Cadiz. Once again, Celta Vigo dropping points in injury time. It finished 2-2 at the Nuevo Mirandilla. Cadiz were 2-0 down, uh, but that 
Equaliser from Darwin Machis. It was an absolute goal after two. Absurd goal, yeah. Giving them a little bit of hope. Um, they're still only three points from safety, and Celta Vigo are the last team out of the relegation zone. So that was a big game with big, uh, big uh, uh, machinations and effect on the rest of uh, teams involved in the relegation battle. Uh, Betis beat Athletic Club by three goals to one. Athletic having Nico Williams sent off uh, in the first half, and currently being played uh, Las Palmas and Osasuna at the time of recording it's 1-1 but you'll know what the final score was and then we've got Real Madrid against Sevilla tonight and Girona against Rayo on Monday what amazingly cartoonish outcome do you think they'll be in Sergio Ramos's return to Real Madrid I mean this, they'll listen shall to this after the event shall we look, shall we, we, we look silly shall we look silly what, what do you reckon does he, does he score a winner does he score an own goal does he get a red card Some, something's going to happen all of the above it? the, uh, that would the be amazing. it would be amazing yeah. if he could do the kind of the Sergio Ramos hat trick yes it could, ha- it could happen but we'll, uh, we'll wait and see uh, what did happen was on Saturday at uh, Montjuic uh, Barcelona played really well uh, against Getafe a, a 4-0 victory you were there mm. to witness it and this was um, this was the kind of performance that we've been waiting for for Barcelona yeah um, and it comes off the back of a pretty good performance in Napoli albeit one that probably only lasted 65-70 minutes rather than the full 90 I think that there's a I think there's a natural reluctance to to read too much into this performance because of the way that Getafe played now that is not to say that Getafe played badly in fact I thought the start of the game was, was really quite good from them but I think it was the, the, the specifics of the way that they played within a very very high, high line, line. Yeah. but without the intensity to make that high line really effective no and so Barcelona were able to pick passes either through the gap or over the top really quite easily I remember really clearly the game at Las Palmas against Barcelona. Barcelona eventually won it with a late uh, penalty for, for Gundogan. But they had spent the game, certainly the first hour or so, maybe only the first half, but I would say at least the first half, maybe the first hour, with Xavi on the touchline getting increasingly frustrated, saying to his players, it's a simple ball. It's just the dink it over the top into the space because they're playing so high that that one pass releases everything. And it was quite interesting because post-game, one of the things that he said was it was really frustrating for me to watch because that's the kind of pass that I could play really well (laughs) when I was a player. And his players either couldn't see it or couldn't execute it or couldn't get the timing right of the runs. They kept getting caught offside as well. They're not chavvy, basically. They're not chavvy. And and, and also the runners are not Villa or Messi or Omri or or various Sanoleta or various other players that he played with. this game they had and this is to Xavi's enormous credit by the way they had anticipated that Getafe would do that Mm. rather than sitting very deep rather than being defensive and they picked them off consistently they scored four they could have scored five or six the four that they scored are all goals where they got in behind Getafe and and it is true I think that Getafe made it relatively easy for them which is why which is why I don't want to go too far with, with, with getting excited about this performance on Barcelona's behalf because I don't think there'll be too many opponents that set up in this way mm. that facilitate it as, as well as this but they did play very well indeed Just going back to your point of uh, Xavi anticipating how Getafe would play is that why he decided to go sort of more 4-3-3 and yeah, Pedri I, was left on the bench for this game which is quite interesting Yeah because if, if what you want is control in tight spaces it's Pedri if you're going to stretch the game Pedri's not a huge amount of use to you although he can play that pass he tends not to be as deep to, to, to be in a position to do so um, I think there might be an element of truth in that I think it, it might be more not so much about leaving Pedri out as, as, as about having two wide men that stretch the pitch and then push the pitch and give them the, the, the pace to go in behind and Rafinha played well I was going to say Rafinha played very well he did but he then his kind of final touch a couple of times in the first half he had a couple more chances to score more than the one that he did which he took really well um, but he, he was very good I suppose he's in a position now where he probably realises 
that he's on the verge of losing his place to Laminia Marlon. So maybe there's just that little bit of edge mm. about him when he when he plays, or there was in this game. And I thought Barcelona judged it really, really well. I thought we saw even Christensen in one of the goals, for example, go beyond the line of the defence of the Getafe defence, and that's despite the fact that he's a deep midfielder who's not even a deep midfielder; he's actually a centre back. Yeah, and. Um, and, and, and Barca were, were, were very, very good indeed. There was, there's one other player that really stood out for me. Was he young? Very young. Is uh, he a child? Paul Kubasi. He's literally a child. He's quite literally a child. Um, and in the first half in particular, because as I said to you, I, I actually thought that Getafe started reasonably well. It was quite interesting watching them press very high, try and get the ball, keep possession. Barcelona weren't holding the ball at all in those kind of internal areas. In fact, the areas where Pedri would normally be, they weren't holding onto the ball there. And yet once they caught Getafe once, that was it. Mm. Um, but in that opening period, there were a couple of interceptions from Kubasi, which were superb. And then there was also the, the, the assuredness with which he brings the ball out. Now, I don't want to overplay that because, you know, one game of bringing the ball out well doesn't mean you're always going to do it. It doesn't mean that there won't be teams that work out how to press you and you struggle to do so. But he looks natural. It means natural. you can do it. It means you can do it. He looks yeah. natural. He looks comfortable. He has, um, he has that quality that... I think there is a risk sometimes that we overplay it because he's young, but that quality of not looking young. So we go, wow, look how, you know, look how in control he is. And we partly say that precisely because he's young rather than because of his level of control. But he certainly does seem to have a, if you like, a kind of an emotional, I don't know if it's detachment is the right word or, word or concentration, or he's not phased or doesn't appear to be phased by what's going on around him at all. So shout out to Xavi then, I guess, for uh, promoting him and Laminia Mal to the team this season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I think this is one of the things that, that Xavi himself would have probably clung to if at the end of the season, the season itself had been seen to be a failure. Mm. And it still may be, by the way, although I think if they now get second place, which they could do, it's the position they're in at the moment. If they were to get, say, through another round of the Champions League, which again, they could do, then I think there might be a reanalysis of this season. It might not seem quite so terrible as it probably did a month ago. Mm. Um, but even in that scenario, I think Xavi would have probably said, look at the young players, look at the people we've given an opportunity to. Because I, I'll tell you what as well, I really do like Ferdinand. Mm. And he came on, he didn't play for very long. I think it was only about 20 minutes. But, but you know, he's another young player who I think has a, a very, very good future. And when you add that to the fact that obviously Gavi is pretty much a veteran and he's 19, mm. obviously let's see how he comes back from, from injury and whether he's fit. Then, then you know, there, there are one or two reasons to be, to be cautiously optimistic about the next two, three, four years. Uh, Firmino, of course, scored the uh, fourth goal. Yes, he did. Uh, the other goal scored uh, by uh, Rafinha and João Felix, two players who are probably in need of a goal. Yeah. And Frankie de Jong scoring his first goal. Um, of the season so uh, Robert Lewandowski didn't score in this game although he'd been in really good form but I thought he, he played play well, well. Yeah. yeah and and one of the things about Lewandowski is that I think we've we've looked at him in recent weeks and thought that he's missing chances and, and also that he looks a little bit a little bit sluggish a little bit static sometimes quite slow but then he started taking chances and well all that other stuff doesn't matter if he takes the chances that fall to him mm. but if on top of that he can play a bit and can time the movement of when to vacate spaces to allow others in and time the movement to be able to bring the ball down and bring others into the game, then he can be useful in that sense as well. Because, of course, one of the things that I thought really stood out about him in his first season in Barcelona wasn't just that he scored lots of goals, I think we all anticipated that, but was, was how important he seemed to be to the, to the functioning of the team. Hmm. Well, uh, let's see if Barcelona continue this uh, uh, good run of form. They've got a 
really big game next weekend at San Mames against yeah. uh, Athletic Club and Athletic Club side who lost today and who will have uh, Nico Williams suspended for uh, that match so that is uh, uh, not necessarily the best news uh, for them. Uh, we've got to talk about uh, Atletico Madrid dropping points once again away from home. Remember, they've lost six times uh, away from the Metropolitano this season. They're unbeaten at home, but their away form has been uh, really quite, really quite dreadful. Uh, Almeria drawing 2-2 uh, with uh, Diego Simeone's uh, team. And actually, I said, let's talk about uh, Atletico Madrid. Let's talk about Almeria. Yeah. Now, you put out a tweet saying they might be the best, worst team of all time. Yeah. Because they're on course, remember, they still haven't won. It's 26 match days this season and they still haven't won. They might yeah. go a whole season without winning and yet they put in really good performances almost almost every week. It's not like they're getting spanked 5-0 yeah. every week and they're bottom of the table. I think the quality of their performance is exaggerated by uh, a little bit by the fact they put up particularly good performances against the big team. So we sort of notice it more than those weeks where they play someone, you know, kind of mid-table downwards and it's a sort of a slightly sluggish game and they lose 2-1 or something and we don't really notice as much but when we get 2-0 uh, sorry 2-2 against Almeria or you push Real Madrid here at the Bernabeu then we all go bloody hell no, but they drew with Girona yeah, exactly. they drew with Athletic Club they drew with exactly. Betis and, 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 and they are I mean I think I think Gaifka Garitano said it said it really quite well after the game he said there isn't a game this season I think he might be slightly exaggerating but he's not a million miles off there isn't a game this season we haven't been in hmm and I think he's right. Hmm. You know, you don't look over the course of the season. And obviously, you know, if we were to go through the, 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 the results now, we'd probably find one or two. But there, I can't think of a game where they were absolutely battered. No. Where they were absolutely terrible and, and you know, genuinely disastrous. I mean, just because you can't think of it doesn't mean it didn't happen. That's what I mean. I'm yeah. sure if we went through the list now, we, 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 we would find one. Yeah. But I, off the top of my head, I can't think of one. Um. Luca Romero scoring both of the goals for uh, Almeria. Nineteen-year-old uh, Luca Romero, who's something of a veteran now, having made his debut it's, when he was fifteen for Mallorca. It's absurd. <laughs> this is a guy who's got a five-year career already. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, it took took his goals really well. Two really, really good goals. And he's been away. He's been at Lazio. He's been at Milan. He hasn't really played that much for the last couple of years. But he's obviously a tremendous. I really, player. I really liked something that, that I, was, I didn't see this game. on the train coming back from Barcelona, but I was listening to it on the radio. I really liked something that, that, that Kiko Narvaez, who, who is now a commentator on the radio, used to play out front for, for Atletico Madrid. One of the things that he said, he said, you know, we tend to talk about kids who are young and say you know it's about their maturity about whether they can deal with the pressure and so on he said but when you talk about a kid this young I mean you've already said Paul Kubasi is literally a kid even in his case it's true but a 14 or 15 year old is going into a professional game even more so one of the things that Kiko said is it's not just about do they make the right decisions is it are the people making the decision for them hmm. making the right decisions because these aren't people with genuine agency over their future hmm. You know, so if you're in this position, you can say, well, he shouldn't have done this, or he shouldn't have done mm -hmm. that. It's not him that should or shouldn't have done any of these things. Yeah. It's the people around him. Now, that's not to say, by the way, I'm not, this isn't about a criticism, because it would be absurd to talk about a player who's wasted a number of years when yeah. he's still only 19. But I, I, I think there is always that risk, isn't there, that when someone comes on the scene absurdly young, that, that you know, the, the, there, are, there, are, there are too many staging posts between getting to the first team or becoming a genuine professional that... Well, you can take the wrong turn. Um, so he scored two goals in a really quite uh, interesting performance from him and from Almeria. And yet, Atleti could have won this game. They had chances. Yeah, and Alvaro Morata. Alvaro Morata missed a couple of great chances, particularly the one right at the end. Well, and, and you know, earlier in the season, and, and Morata's 
statistics are really still pretty good for this season in terms of the number of goals scored. But early in the season, there was, a, there was an efficiency about him, apart from the offsides, which was still happening. There was an efficiency about him taking chances. And even at that point, I think we were all kind of thinking to ourselves, at some point, that will slip away from him. Mm. You know, he won't always be as clear as clinically in front of goal because throughout his career, he's had hot and cold periods. But it was a, about the best kind of ongoing run that we'd seen from him. And um, and I, I I think the fact that he's now missed a few chances in the last few games, not just this one, is not a huge surprise. I don't think it would be a surprise with any other forward. I do think, and I've said this before, that sometimes I think we look for the weaknesses in Alvaro Morata more than other people, partly because he externalises them in the way that you know his his, his his kind of his body language, the way that he gestures, that look on his face, the way that he talks. He, he's got a sort of a hint of vulnerability about him. We've talked about the maturity and he's talked about this year feeling more mature and more in control than in previous years. But that's a discourse we've heard before. And in fact, back in October or whenever it was that we were talking about this, we were saying that. We were saying, yeah, but we have heard this before. And, and, and obviously it doesn't mean his feelings aren't real when he feels I'm on top of this. But it also means that moments will come because shit happens. Football has missed chances. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a broader question about uh, Atletico, which is how bad their away form is. But I actually agree with you on this game, and I think it was true in, admittedly, home game. The home game that they lost to Athletic Club in the Cup. And the last away game was, off the top of my head, I can't remember what their last... Sevilla, where they really should have scored Again, as well. Yeah, right, so there yeah. we go. So there's, three, there's at least three in a row, and I don't know if there might be some even before Real that. Madrid here. Yeah, Real Madrid here was slightly different, wasn't it? It didn't feel like a game where they had loads and loads no. of chances, but they had a few. But I think certainly those games are... They feel like slightly. Girona. Str- they feel like yes. They they, they, they feel like slightly. St- Girona. They did have chances. Yeah. They? they feel like str- slightly strange outliers. Yeah. Whereas earlier in the season, for example, the battering at, at Mestalla, hmm. the really poor performance at Las Palmas, yeah. I think were, were different to to these last. The two battering at San Mames as well. Athletic oh, they got yes. Yeah. They got absolutely battered at San Mames. Although a lot of teams do because San, hmm. uh, San Mames Athletic play with an intensity that's really really hard to live with, even if you're Atletico. They get San Mames. They do get Sam Mess, yes. Yeah. And, and Sam Mess is one of those stadiums that plays. Yes, it's a verb. We've just yeah. to, 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 to get Sam Sam Mamesiad. Yeah, to Sam Mamesiad. <laughs> no, San Sam Mamesiado. <laughs> pues eso. Um, so there we go. Atletico Madrid are out of the title race. Definitely. Yeah. Definitively. Yeah. Definitively. I mean. The question is, are, are, are Barca back in it, I suppose? Well said. We'll have a better idea after we know what happens tonight at the Bernabeu. And tomorrow. And course, tomorrow with Girona. you've got Girona's playing tomorrow as well. But uh, as things stand, uh, they've uh, they've re- regained second place, which is uh, and important for Barcelona. To yeah, there was a period not very long ago. I would say literally only a couple of games ago, where we thought there was a chance. I think most people thought it's not just us, but there was a chance that they might not even get the last Champions League place, and they, they should do now. What did you get up to on Friday night? What did I get up to on Friday night? Where was I on Friday? Do you know what? I can't remember. Where was I on Friday? You went. Oh God, I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what? For a minute there, I thought. What was I doing? Have I done something wrong? <laughs> Do you know when someone asks you a question, well, they answer you think, hang on, have I been rumbled for something? I don't know what. Have you done something? Did you do something wrong? Not that I'm aware of. Well, no. I did something stupid, which yes. was to go to watch Real Oviedo and, 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 and very much a, 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 what's the word in English for gaffe? A jinx. Yes, you jinxed them. They lost 3-1. I've seen them six times this season. They haven't won any of them. Really? Yeah. Me. For a team that's playing really well. Yes. Yeah. Well, not when you're in town. Yeah, <laughs> exactly so stay, stay well away. Uh, so there we go. Listen, we're going to go and watch uh, Real Madrid and Sevilla, and then we'll come back and talk about it. So uh, see you in a sec.
So there we go, Real Madrid beating Sevilla by a goal to nil, scored by Luka Modric in the uh, 81st minute. Uh, Sydney, we were uh, witnessing the game together, sat next to each other in the in the press box, Al just in front of us, the three of us occasionally shouting at each other to check something factual had happened during the game. But yeah, um, it wasn't it wasn't the most amazing of footballing spectacles, I think it's fair to say. No, it wasn't really, was it? No. Um, no. It was, I mean, I, I was enjoying getting the perfect photograph of Kike Sanchez Flores' perfectly straight lines of 5 3 2. Which you ate, did. We ate some sweets. We, we, watched, we watched Vinicius do a lovely little flick over. I can't remember which player it was, Oliver Torres, I think. Um, it made we, us both go, ooh. It did unison. make us both go, ooh. <laughs> We also both, we will admit this, went ooh when Isak Romero nearly scored. And I think both of us, like a cartoon character with dollar signs in their eyes, our kind of our, this is Monday Colin sign sort of rolled around our eyes and unfortunately it wasn't to be. Um, yeah. Obviously waiting for something big to happen with Sergio Ramos. And actually, I suppose in a way the, the storyline of this game, if not the actual game itself, the storyline of this game is the total absence of that storyline. The absolute absence of any real, I would go so far as to say, even recognition of the return of Sergio Ramos, let alone a celebration of it. Uh, not only was there no recognition of his uh, return, he was actually whistled when he was on the yeah. ball by um, by a small section. Now, it wasn't by any way the majority. It wasn't a large amount of people, and you only need a few people whistling for it to sound loud. And yet, um, yeah, he was he was definitely, definitely whistled. Uh, I, I think in the sort of uh, desire to be fair I think he was uh, politely applauded when his name was read out on the uh, Tano system before the game but as you yes. were telling me Sid the um, you were listening to a, a radio reporter uh, just before the game and he was saying you know we've been trying to investigate but the club have been keeping it very close yeah. any plans for any kind of homage and there weren't any plans we thought there might yeah. be a banner from the fans we thought there might be a minute's applause in the fourth minute and there was there was genuinely nothing which is Okay, I mean, you know, fine. He does not play for Real Madrid anymore, and he is a opposing player for a team against you. Don't necessarily have the best relationship, but it was still surprising to see yeah. zero recognition of his return and to see people actively whistling when he was on the ball. Yeah, I don't get it at all, um, and I, I'm about to contradict myself and say I do get it. I get some of the elements of the way that he he left. I get the things that you're saying that he's an opponent that he comes with a team that Real Madrid don't particularly like and so on, but I. I Personally, I, I just think it's absurd um, I, I, to, to whistle him. To, to, all right, maybe not to have a big celebration about him. Or I understand that because there's, you know, there's a there's a game to be played. There's a game to compete in, and so on. Um, I don't know about you, but I felt like there was a moment pre-game, um, particularly when they did the the honorary kickoff for um, my name's my, mine's gone blank. Uh, Ilya Topuria. Topuria, yeah. Um, who's the world champion uh, in, in UFC. And he came on. Actually, my favourite moment of that actually was when he handed the referee his belt because he had to do the honorary kickoff. He's like, I can't do the honorary kickoff holding this enormous world championship belt. And he kind of gives it to the referee who's standing there like, well, look at this, this is great. Um, anyway, he does the honorary kickoff. I don't know about you, but he kind of came on the pitch and he shook hands with Nacho and he shook hands with Sergio Ramos. And I felt like Sergio Ramos was playing the host's role even though he was the opposition um, captain. And he was kind of sort of hanging around and it sort of felt like he wanted to be part of this. He'd also, of course, worn the captain's out armband for this game, which I hadn't realised was specifically for this game and he'd asked for it. And I think it says a lot, actually, about Jesus Navas that he was like, yep, yeah, you take it. Because Navas is the captain. Ramos is not the captain of Sevilla. Um, and I 
suspect, but I don't know this for sure, by looking at the body language there and one or two other little moments um, during the game and indeed after the game, um, I suspect that Ramos was kind of waiting for something that never happened. <laughs> well, I mean, when... When the PA uh, system announced uh, tonight, we have uh, we welcome a great Madridista to the Santiago yeah. Bernabeu. Yeah. And I thought, all right, they are going to do something for Ramos. <laughs> they say it's it's Ilya Topuri. I was like, oh right, okay, it's, it's him. Yeah, so, yeah. Anyway, I mean, I mean look, that does make a little bit of a mockery of the idea that you know there isn't time to do anything for Ramos because, and it's it's nothing against Topuria, who's who's a world champion and. and you know, presumably a brilliant, a brilliant athlete, and a great fighter. I can't claim to know anything about UFC, so apologies. Um, but you know, it's not that hard. And I was surprised that the fans didn't do anything. Uh, that there wasn't at least some applause in the fourth minute, or that there wasn't maybe some applause towards the end, or or actually, as Ramos went off, um, he he was one of the last off, but not the very last off. And and I thought at that point there might be kind of a an ovation of some sort, and and there wasn't. And look, all of that I understand, and and I accept it. But but whistling, I I, I genuinely actually don't accept. But don't mm. accept that. Um, mm. And I'm one of those people, as I think regular listeners will know, who has kind of been, uh, I don't know if dismissive is the right word, but at least has, has kind of maintained a, a distance or a sort of a, a sort of a slightly guffawing up my sleeve attitude towards the, 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 the enormous campaigns in Ramos's favour quite often in the Spanish media. And that yeah. those have tended to me to seem a bit silly. And some of the things around Ramos and the building up of him at times have tended to me to be a bit silly. But... My goodness, he's, he is one of the all-time great rounded players, almost certainly the best defender they've ever had, probably the best captain they've ever had. I, I just don't... I, I just... Whistling him, I just think is... is well, I just think is wrong, to be honest with you. But anyway, I, I don't mm. want to go on a rant because it's, it's not something that occupies me that much, but I was just very struck by it yesterday. It was pretty striking, uh, indeed. I was... Um... You were seeing if there was a column out of this um, game and you decided that there, that there wasn't and you, you went down a different path. I decided to write a little bit about the, the contrast between Sergio Ramos and his, his footballing brother, Luka Modric, yeah. who um, turned out to be the match winner here, who uh, came on on 75 minutes and, and scored a brilliant, brilliant goal, uh, reminiscent of the one he scored against Manchester United at Old Trafford in the Champions League in uh, 2013. And then the celebration from Luka Modric was actually quite telling because he was sort of lifted onto the advertising hoardings by all his teammates and they rejoiced in front of the fans together and it did feel like a gesture of solidarity with a yeah. uh, older legendary figure of the dressing room who's not necessarily particularly happy at the moment. But the contrast between what he's done and his legacy at Real Madrid and what Ramos did and his legacy at Real Madrid was perhaps... Uh, uh, pretty uh, stark considering the boos that we heard from Sergio Ramos. Obviously, if you need reminding, I'm sure you don't, but uh, Sergio Ramos was offered a, a one-year contract extension uh, in his uh, mid-30s. I think he was 34, and he decided that he wanted you know, two years because I'm the captain. I've been here you know, God knows how many years, and I deserve longer. Real Madrid said no, they didn't budge. Finally, Ramos said, oh, well, all right, I'll take the offer. And in true Big Boss style... <laughs> He was told by Florentino Perez the offer has expired. Uh, Luka Modric, by contrast, has been renewing quietly his contract one year after one year after one year for the last three or four years, just getting on with it, staying at the yeah. world's uh, uh, most successful uh, football club and uh, winning an, another Champions League. He's got one more Champions League medal than, than Sergio Ramos. And I just feel like if Luka Modric was to go at the end of the season, which I think is increasingly likely because I think he increasingly feels like he's got more football to give than he's actually been given a chance to show, um, there's no way he would be uh, whistled 
by anyone, and he would certainly get the kind of a reception that we didn't we didn't see for uh, for, for Ramos yeah. yesterday because he's he's behaved in such a different way. To and I stress this again, someone who is not just his former teammate or his friend, they refer to each other as brothers. They are so so close, and yet they've sort of behaved quite differently towards the end of their careers. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. And, and that's not to say that Luca's um, renewals have always been easy. Uh, there have been moments of, of real tension and moments in which, in which I think there's been a, a, a temptation. I wouldn't go so far as to say a desire, a temptation from Modric's camp to, to kind of speak out and to say something and to say, come on, this isn't the right way of doing this. Um, and, and maybe even to, to seek an exit. But the bottom line always, of course, is it's Real Madrid and it's where else would you rather be? Um, and I think you're right. And, you know, what you're saying, of course, now is the caveat on what I'm saying in terms of, in terms of saying that there's no logic to, to whistling in. But that is true, that the, the way it was played out, that final contract renewal, which didn't happen, didn't please a lot of people. The fact that, Mod- that sorry, that, Modric, that Ramos had tried to go to China uh, the previous summer, or was it two summers earlier, and Madrid had basically said, no, you're not going. And he said at that point, I'd play for Real Madrid for free. And yet, then, then you, get, you get this kind of contract negotiation where clearly there's a there's a disconnect between what the two sides think the monetary value of Ramos's contract is, and in particular, as you point out, the the, the length of the contract. Um, yeah. And I think it's a Madrid policy. I don't know if it's actually quite as clear cut as the cutoff point is thirty, but you know certainly players who are veterans then you don't get a, a free year offer. It just doesn't happen like that. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, you know, the balance of power fundamentally, you know, you can say yes, but the fun- balance of power fundamentally lies with the club. And if you do believe that they will back down because you are Sergio Ramos because you are important. And for what it's worth, by the way, as a case, you're talking about, as we've already mentioned, the, the greatest captain in the club's history, a really big figure for the club. But, you know, there is a point at which you, you, you push too far and the club says, OK, see you later. Uh, Offer withdrawn. I also think that Ramos probably didn't truly believe that they would follow through on the threat, which surprises me, to be honest, <laughs> because given the nature of the relationship there, given the fact, and this is something that goes back a long time, of course, Ramos tried... And I genuinely do mean this, by the way. Um, tried to leave in whichever year it was, 2015 or 16, was it, when he tried to go to Manchester United? There mm. was a desire to go at that point, but it, it, you know, the doors were closed to him and he eventually renewed and renewed on a, on a really good deal. And I, and I think that probably, well, definitely changed the relationship a little bit or at least deepened some of the divides between Ramos and the club. And so there is a reason why people didn't particularly like the way Ramos handled it. And as you rightly say, the contrast with Modric is very striking because although yeah. Modric's uh, contract renewals haven't always been smooth, he has been a player that said, OK, I saw one year and at the end of the year, you'll probably think I'm good enough and I'll continue. This year, I think, has been the hardest year for him because he's playing yeah. so much less. And Ancelotti was asked last night, you know, is there some way of convincing Modric that it's OK to be a player who comes on as a sub? It's OK to be that player who doesn't play all the time because you're still at Real Madrid. And... I don't know about you, but I thought Ancelotti's answer basically said, no, yeah. this is a guy that doesn't want to be doing that role where he comes on and plays 20 minutes, even if he does score, even if it does mean that maybe he gets the chance to win another league title, to win a Champions League, rather than go to a club where he plays every week, but probably isn't at that level. Um, because Modric feels like he's still got something to give. And, and, and Ancelotti the other day made it quite clear that the stories about him potentially being offered something as part of the coaching staff are not complete nonsense. You know, mm. there, there's something in that. That this is something that he he would contemplate at some point. Uh, but the relationship between Modric and and Ancelotti has been slightly difficult as well. Mm. Uh, but for, for for a fundamentally basic reason, which is it's quite difficult to manage the final years of a truly great player. And Ancelotti himself himself admitted this last night. 
Absolutely. Uh, well, that goal scored by Luka Modric means that Real Madrid are uh, uh, in a very strong position to yeah. to win their their 36th uh, league title. They're eight points clear of Barcelona. Girona playing this evening uh, at home to the mighty Rayo Vallecano. They can uh, cut the uh, gap to uh, six points on Real Madrid and move back second uh, if they beat Rayo. But Real Madrid very much uh, in the driving seat in terms of winning uh, the league title. Uh, that's all we've got time for on today's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we mentioned at the top of the show that our uh, merchandise is out. It is available now. Go and check it out. Gambea, G-A-M-B-E-A dot uh, com forward slash T-S-F-P, uh, is it? I think. And... Um, Go and see if you get uh, get yourself a nice little T-shirt and a pair of socks because uh, we're very proud of the uh, of the uh, work uh, that has gone into uh, producing uh, that merchandise. And if you want to be a patron, come and be a patron. We've got loads of uh, bonus content for you at patreon.com forward slash TSFP, not least uh, tomorrow's Q&A podcast. Ask us questions. We will answer them. We've got bonus podcasts coming up for you as well, discussing this week's Copa del Rey semifinals, which Sydney will be in attendance. The Lucky devil, he's going to San Sebastián for Real Sociedad Mallorca and then to Bilbao for Athletic Club against Atletico Madrid. So we'll hear all about it on Friday's uh, bonus podcast. So come and be a patron and join us for around four euros a month. Patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Uh, we'll speak to you next week if you're not a patron. Adios, amigos. Cheerio. Network.